everybody. This is episode 39 of the Master Glass. My name is still Cam, and I am still joined by Dave. Greetings, managed, sir. Managed to be here again. Yes. You, uh, you did something interesting tonight, Dave, before we recorded. I did something interesting. You did? Well, you, you went to something <laughs> interesting. I did. My, what, uh, what freshman, did you do? my daughter, who's a freshman in high school, is in the Madrigal Choir, and they did their Christmas dinner show tonight. And they probably did about 30 different Christmas songs in a matter of about 15 minutes. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it was real. Kind of the first verse moved on to the next song. First verse moved to the next song. I feel like that'd be really hard to do because you just want to want to keep on singing the song. You yes. Know? So it was. But I hate Christmas music. So that sounds. I'm sure they were lovely. <laughs> they did. Yes, they were very lovely. They uh they play Christmas music all day at work too, and it just kind of crushes my soul. <laughs> I find myself singing like, and I'll be in the back and like, Frosty, no, stop, don't do that. Like I'm being brainwashed, Dave. Yes, into singing Christmas music, and I hate every second of it. One of the things that I don't like about Christmas music is some of, well, yeah, some of them are beautiful hymns that actually. Uh, proclaim the gospel quite beautifully and the depravity of man and our need for a savior and rejoicing in him and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I don't know if it's being brainwashed, but it's just, you sing it because you know it and you've heard it and it's, we, we stop singing what it means. And I, I will say I did sort of have that moment tonight of just hearing a few of the verses that I was like, wow, that's, you know, born to give a second birth. And it's like, we just kind of, brush over it and on to the next song and yeah, cyber uh, Monday. Woo. <laughs> well, my email was full of donation Tuesday or whatever it was. And I, I, I never heard of that. Well, apparently it's a thing because my email was full of donation Tuesday stuff. And I'm, I have to say I'm mildly annoyed by places that I already give to like hyping me for Donation Tuesday. I kind of want to go, um, before you send these emails to me. <laughs> no. Sorry. You started very positively today, Dave. Yeah. This is, this is going to go great. Yes. I, it's, you know what? It's the true nature of my heart. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, I am a deeply loved sinner of need of grace. So fortunately God gives it to me and, doesn't give up on me. There we go. All right. So to start today's show, well, I guess I've already done that, but to continue with today's show, <laughs> to move on. Uh, last week, we asked our listeners for, uh, to send in some of their favorite resources, uh, websites, blogs, podcasts, books, magazines. Uh, I don't know what else. Um, stuff. And a uh, longtime listener and frequent follower. Jerome sent in a few uh, resources that he wanted to share with us, so we will share them with you. Uh, the first is uh, BioLogos, uh, which is B-I-O-L-O-G-O-S dot org. Link will be in the show notes. And if you are at all remotely interested in dealing with um, faith and science, uh, this is it, it's a really cool website. Um, it makes sense because Jerome is in the medicine field. Um, that he would 
uh, find this helpful and useful and, and um, worthwhile. Um, I've read a few articles on there back when Bill Nye did the debate with the uh, the creationist guy with the museum somewhere who's kind of... Bill Nye was with... Ken Hughes, is that his name? Um, he's from Australia, right? He was, I think he's South African, but he lives here. He's got some museum, some creationist museum in like Tennessee or something like that. We'll, we'll put a link in the he show. Has, he has that British kind of accent. Yeah, maybe he's Australian, but he lives in the U.S. But I don't, I don't, yeah, he I lives thought he here. was South African, but maybe I'm totally misremembering. I just, maybe I just want him to sound like Elon Musk. I don't know. <laughs> um, Ken Ham. Ken Ham. So I had Ken right. Hughes was Samsonite. <laughs> it was way off. It's Ken Ham. I actually saw Ken Ham in person when I was like 15 years old. Did you smack him? No, I was 15. I was very impressionable oh. and <laughs> bought all of his stuff and was ready to convince all yeah. my friends. I'll put the link to that YouTube debate in the, in, or the, the, the debate they did. I think it's on YouTube. Um, my piece of advice is don't waste your time because it's totally pointless <laughs> neither of them make any points worth but anyways so but i, I remember out mm. of that debate going and reading some very 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 good articles on biologos about evolution and faith and mm-hmm. um, so of the three links that jerome gave us i i can um for the most part vouch that this is a quality i'm not obviously i've not read everything on it but the stuff that i have read from them is very good. It's it's intelligent. It's well thought through. It is um, current as far as like what's going on. So definitely, um, I would second Jerome's. Um, uh, what's from? Uh, uh, oh my gosh! Endorsement, endorsement. recommendation, <laughs> all those things that I couldn't think of. Endorsements um, better. Up next, Dave, you might be able to help us out here. He recommends another podcast called Homebrewed Christianity, which I have not listened to, but you have brought up before. Um. I have, um, and, um, they tend to, um, gosh, see, I'm going to get it confused with a couple of others potentially, um, homebrewed Christianity, um, I think is very similar to what we do in terms of, um, wanting to focus on practical application for our lives today. Uh, I may be a little bit off on that, but that's what my recollection is off the top of my head. <laughs> but it is another podcast, and they are they are much more popular than we are, and we applaud them in that. We're jealous. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that, but since you put it out there. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the stuff that I have heard about them has been very good, and um, based on you, the, the little research I did, um, they seem to have... Uh, quite the um, following, and I believe that would be for very good reason. Absolutely. So if you're in, if you're looking for another podcast um, that is going to help you understand the Bible, understand God, understand what it means to be a Christian, and how to live like it, that might be one to check out. We'll put a link in the show notes. And then, last but not least, he recommends a guy named Peter Rollins, who I think is one of the homebrew Christian guys. But I could be wrong. Anyways, uh, the link to his website, uh, peterrollins.net, will be in the show notes. So thanks to Jerome for being super quick about getting us some resources that he finds useful. Um, We appreciate it. And hopefully uh, by passing that stuff along, we can help somebody else out. One thing I did want to mention, Dave. Yes. I was burning through some podcasts earlier since I had a little extra time before we recorded. I wanted to 
bring my cue a little shorter. And I had a couple short, like seven or eight minute episodes from a couple of podcasts that I wanted to get through. And one of them is the gospel coalition podcast, which, um, if you're not familiar with the gospel coalition, that's another resource to check out. We'll have a link in the show notes. Um, their podcast to me is kind of hit or miss. Um, but this specific episode titled how to disagree is, uh, I think it's like eight minutes long. So it's a really quick listen. It's Tim Keller, Matt Chandler, and somebody else that I can't remember right now. And I'm sorry because the third guy actually makes a lot of really good points. <laughs> I just can't remember his name. He's a seminary professor. Um, and so it's, it's a quick dis- round table discussion about how Christians, uh, can disagree with one another on topics and still be friends and still uh, worship together and still live together and still be in community together, even though we may disagree on certain things. And so I thought, you know, based on some of the stuff we're going to get into here in a few minutes, this was a very um, timely podcast recommendation. So we'll have a link to that podcast episode in the show notes as well. like I said, it's eight minutes. Totally worth a listen. Um, mm-hmm. You can probably push pause now, go listen to that for eight minutes, <laughs> and then come back and listen to us for the rest of the show. And We'll still be here. Yes, we will not be as wise as those three guys. Probably but, not. <laughs> but that, that's just kind of the way it is. So, all of that, Dave. Heavy sigh. Yeah, heavy sigh, because you're up next. Am I? Um, so we've had, um, a couple people respond to, uh, my comment of saying that, uh, Islam is a violent religion and, uh, I will be quite candid with all of you in that, um, and, the, and I don't say this lightly, but I do believe, uh, that Islam is a violent religion. Uh, with that said, um, I acknowledge that Christianity has had, Uh, a violent history, and there's been plenty of violence done in the name of Jesus. I don't dispute that at all. Um, But I guess there's kind of this piece of me that feels like um, if I say something about uh, Islam being violent, there's like this politically correct expectation on me to quantify it by acknowledging the violent history of Christianity. and I don't dispute that at all. Uh, my personal, how did I come to the conclusion that Islam is a violent religion? Uh, I took a graduate level class on Islam uh, that was taught by a professor who was married to a Muslim. And in addition to sitting under the, in the class under his tutelage, um, I don't know, do you have tutelage in a master's level class. Is that correct? Tutelage. I don't know. It just struck me odd when I yes. said, <laughs> sorry, tangent. We're good for that. Uh, we, him and I had some, um, some side conversations and, uh, he acknowledged that much of the reason why his wife was in this country, uh, was because of the violent, um, experiences that she had, um, around Islam, where she was from. Uh, Additionally, uh, I have had uh, Muslim friends uh, and Muslim acquaintances from uh, places in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. And uh, I love these people dearly. 
um, I think, the world of them. And I think they themselves are uh, quite, uh, their desire is, to, is, is peace and to live peacefully with others. Uh, all three of them, uh, their experience or what they conveyed to me um, was that they experienced much violence associated with Islam in their home countries. Um, Philippines, uh, Somalia, and then actually, um, I, I know folks from Saudi Arabia, Qatar, other places. And I, I, I guess all I really just kind of want to say to folks out there is, is I arrived at my conclusion based on much study, based on uh, relationships, friendships with Muslims, and um, what they conveyed to me of their experience in their country. Uh, I will say this, that that has not been my experience of Muslims in this country. And uh, by no means am I trying to connect all of Islam and all of and every Muslim that lives on this earth uh, with, with violence. But when I look at Jesus and what he taught, and when I look at Muhammad and what he taught, those are two very different things. And uh, to the point where um, Jesus, you know, died on the cross, he did not defend himself. He did not fight. Um, Muhammad, on the other hand, very much did fight. Um, I, and I know there was an argument of it's, it, it was a defensive fight, but you know, even when it came to defending himself, Jesus chose not to do that. Um, I, you know, I, I guess, again, I just hope people would hear the sincerity of my heart in terms of, I'm not trying to convince people of anything. I'm not trying to lump anybody, uh, into categories. Um, but I just don't want to be politically correct for the sake of being politically correct when I feel like I spent time, um, and was invested in relationships that caused me to come to the conclusion that I came to. And again, I, well, I don't need to reiterate that. Uh, the second thing I would just say in all of this is that um, we did this podcast on the premise of what Jesus said and how it applies to our lives today. And Jesus tells us to love our enemies. Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies. I wholeheartedly believe, and as a part of the podcast, I've started doing this, not just the last couple of weeks, but the time that Cam and I have been doing this for the last year of um, when I hear news related to ISIS, I make an effort to pray for those people. No, I, I guess my, my reason for saying that is I just am trying to be obedient to what Jesus said and for it to have very practical application in my life today. Um, and, uh, again, I would even reiterate, I don't consider Muslims my enemy per se. Um, I desire for everybody to know Christ and him as their Lord and savior. Um, the other thing that I will just, you know, finally say is that I, I get that Christians, um, don't always do a good job of representing this either. Uh, one of my, one of my pet peeves is, um, anybody that wants to talk about God guns and whatever. And it's like, you know, uh, I live in America. I love God and I love my guns and I love my, you fill in the blank, whatever it is that you love. And, 
while I am a gun owner, uh, don't put them on the same level as my love for God or even the love or the, how I feel about my country. And so, uh, anyway, Cam, any other thoughts? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I first would say to those people that, that wrote in about the specific, um, comments or thoughts around Islam, I would say, thank you. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Yeah. Because it has challenged me and, to and, rethink of. Yeah. And re- I think your response was, was honest and heartfelt. Um, but it, I mean, before we even recorded, we probably talked for 20 minutes about it. Yeah. Oh, I, I know thought we, about we, it for we like text, two weeks. Well, we text messaged <laughs> earlier and, and we kind of hashed things out before we recorded. Um, just because there's so, like you said, there's so much um, surrounding that. It, the, you may have made one comment, but it wasn't a comment in isolation. And you know what I mean? So like, there's just, everyone is coming at that tension between Christianity and Islam and in the Middle East versus America from so many different angles that, you know, saying, saying something, you know, could cause a myriad of reactions from different people <laughs> based on where they live, you know, what they're, sure. exp- all that stuff. So I just, I think that that what you said last week was honest and what you said this week was honest. And that was because people wrote in to question that. And so I, I think that, um, so thank you to those people that, that, that wrote in or messaged or emailed us, um, about that. Um, but also, you know, know that we really did <laughs> want to, to answer that and to come back with a response that was respectful and honest. Um, and I hope that you heard Dave's heart in that response. Um, I know I did, but I'm, I'm sitting three feet away from you. <laughs> I can see, you know, your face and your, your, uh, all that stuff. So I'm hoping your voice conveyed to the, to the listeners that, um, that comment was not made in isolation and, and, and that sort of stuff that we really do care about all people regardless yeah, absolutely. of, because that's what Jesus calls us to do. Right. So, um, nor do I want to lump people into this oversweeping category of everybody's the same because Christians run the gamut, Muslims run the gamut. Uh, I will stick to, I compare Jesus and I compare Muhammad. I compare to the core, their core teachings and there is a difference. And that's probably the best place to say um, my, my belief is that, and I've read the Quran, I've read it front to back. So it's, That's more it's, than I can say. It's uh, I would say it's a little bit shorter than the New Testament. So, well, there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of the New Testament, Dave, should we get back to what Jesus said? Yeah. Let's. <laughs> do, that was such a professional segue, <laughs> and I just ruined it by talking about it. Oh well. Son of a gun. <laughs> Son of a gun. Stupid. All right. <laughs> Matthew, chapter eleven. We are into a new chapter. We're going to do verses one through six. Would you like to do the honors as usual? Sure. Uh, When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. All right. Mm. Let's just start with this. 
why is Jesus always teaching? Like once, once he gets his, his ministry going, it's like, he can't help himself. You know, he just, um, got done dropping like huge bombs on his disciples. Uh, uh, father will be separated from son. If you don't love me more than love, you know, your family, this, that there's going to bring, uh, you're going to be persecuted and all of this like super heavy stuff that we spent two or three episodes covering. And now he's just like, and he starts going again. So what is it about Jesus that he just feels this incessant need to always be teaching? What is that about? Hmm. Uh, I think there's, uh, maybe a couple of different things going on. Um, one, I think it's his purpose and why he's here. I'm guessing that he spent many, many years, uh, doing woodwork with dad in the family shop, or even after maybe dad died, carrying on the family business and, um, wasn't always teaching. Uh, but at the time of his ministry that we see him, he started off with him fasting and going out in the wilderness and preparing for this. And since then, it's kind of been a nonstop. And I think it's just what his purpose is. It's to proclaim the kingdom, proclaim uh, what's going on. And uh, I think it reiterates much of what you know you and I feel about Christianity and probably even what was a uh, a kickoff point for us in, in doing this podcast of... God doesn't expect us to blindly believe stuff. Uh, God desires us to pursue him and really study the scripture and mull over the scripture and debate it and argue and disagree. Um, you know, um, I, our, our job is to be obedient to him, not for you and I to necessarily see eye and eye to eye on everything. And so if, if, if I feel like God has revealed something to me and you feel like God has revealed something to you, we need to be obedient to that. And, um, he gave us, he gave us a brain. He gave us this wonderful, these minds that, you know, um, more complicated than anything we can create here on earth. Um, and it's just amazing how we can learn more and more about him. And uh, I, I think I'm on like my fourth or fifth listening of the divine conspiracy. It always comes back to that book. doesn't It, it? does. Doesn't it? It's so good. And um, uh, it was just funny because I think I'd been listening to it for an hour and then it's like chapter two. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was just the first chapter. But uh, um, just the realization of, uh, as it, just heard new things in that that I hadn't heard before. And just really being, um, uh, the, to be honest, um, was convicted of my own um, egocentric focus and how everything seems to revolve around me. Uh, the other thing that I think is going on here, and this will be a little bit of a shorter commentary on this is I think it's the focus of the authors. I, I think that's, I think that's what they documented. Oh yeah. They cut out all of the, and then Jesus walked over and had a fish taco. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. But, but I, I got to think you got 13 guys together. There was some joking going on and, do you think Jesus was funny? Uh, do I think Jesus was funny? I think Jesus... I hope he was. <laughs> I, 
I just think he was so engaging. Like it just was like, not just funny, but just like, whole, like, you know, when we talk about everything you say actually has kind of two levels to it. I think he was even that kind of funny of just like, Oh, and people would get done laughing. They'd be like, Oh, there's even, Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> Didn't even see that the first time. Yeah. That's so funny. So, um, yeah, you know, and to be quite candid, they didn't need to, you know, talk about he ate, he went to the bathroom, he took a shower, he, you know, all the things that he that you have to do just yeah. to survive. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely um, agree with what you said. I think um, one of the, uh, what we can learn from this is that, um, if you if you just see as Jesus gets closer and closer to the end, mm-hmm. he seems to work with more and more purpose. And he's like, I'm going to Jerusalem. Like he he seems to act with more and more conviction. And, you know, the Last Supper and the washing of the feet and and just getting everybody prepared for what's to come, even though 13 of the 14 of them don't know what's coming. <laughs> um, no, that would be wrong. 12 of the 13, because there's him and plus 12 disciples. My math skills are great, Dave. It's a good thing I work at a bank. <laughs> um, anyways, um, but I see like his, his incessant desire to teach, especially as it ramps up towards the arrest, the, the mock trial and the crucifixion is he is, like as you said, He's just, he's doing what he came to do. And he's trying to convey as much about God and following God and being about God as he can to his disciples in the limited time that he has. Um, And so when I think of that, I think of, you know, people like J.I. Packer and people like Mm -hmm. um, Dallas Willard that as they're, and we've talked about previously, because we, I mean, of, of the myriad great authors and scholars and theologians. Just these are two guys that we've latched onto that as they have, you know, aged towards the end of their life, Dallas was already gone. J.I. is still here. Um, you, you gain that, that sense of, you know, the term nowadays is finishing well, mm-hmm. but is not wasting the time that you have on this planet and the people that God has put in your life. And and so you look at examples like Jesus and then like strong Christian men and women that have, um, and I, I really don't like this term, but have finished well, have, have in their, in their age, used the time that God has given them to share their wisdom and to share their insights and to love other people and to teach other people. And I can't help but think that's what Jesus is doing here. In, in the Gospels, as, as he gets closer and closer to what he, only he knows is coming, he is doing everything within his ability to teach the truth, to share the truth, to show the truth, to model it to the, the people that are going to wind up building the church, which still exists today. And, and so I, I think it's really important for us to look back at that and say, okay, for me, I'm 29. You know, I'm, I'm hopefully not yet midlife. But I have an opportunity as, you know, a 29-year-old to to look at my life and say, this is, 
this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm bad at. This is, this is how I honor God. And this is, these are the areas where I don't, and I need to change and I need the Holy spirit to, to fix those areas in my life and to call me to live more godly. Um, but to, to see the path laid before me, not in what does God want me to do with my life and what should my job be and all that stuff, which, you know, is important. And, and I really would like to know what I should do with my life. That's, you know, anytime God, that'd be great. Um, but to not necessarily worry about the details of that sort of stuff, but to worry about how am I setting myself up to be that old guy that can look at the grandkids or the young adults in the church and show them what it means to be a man of God, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't know when I'm going to die. It could be tonight. It could be in 60 years. I don't know. Um, frankly, I'm really looking forward to being an old man. I think it's going to be a lot of fun because <laughs> yes. my jokes will only get funnier, <laughs> even though they'll probably be worse just because I'll be a cute old man. Um, but my, my point in saying all of this is like, if, if I'm going to listen to Christ's teachings now and see the heart that he had for teaching the truth and doing everything he could to get that truth to other people. If I, if I follow that, you know, by the time that I am an old man, hopefully God has used me as an example to other people of how to follow Christ. Well, despite the fact that I'm a sinner, despite the fact that I'm not perfect, but that people can look at my life and see, man, I remember when he was 20 year old, he was full of himself. He was <laughs> cocky. He was kind of a jerk. He thought he was all that. And then they can look at me when I'm an old man and say, wow, what a work God has done in his life. How right. far he has come because he has chosen to follow God and be more godly. And so that's, that's kind of what I see when I, when I look at how Jesus ramps up towards, you know, and hopefully for me, it's like, I'm not ramping up towards something so tragic and so terrible and so awful. Right. I'm ramping up to like, Oh, I get to go to heaven now. Fantastic. Whereas Jesus was beaten and mocked and beaten some more and then crucified. Like I, I, you know, selfishly hope I go a lot easier than that. Yeah. So anyways, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, All right. absolutely. All right. So, uh, John, mm-hmm. this would be John the Baptist, not Jean Baptiste, the leader of Stephen Colbert's late night band. <laughs> They're really good, by the way. Um, I can't help it. Tangents are everywhere, Dave. I know. It's all right. Anyways. So verse two, when John heard while he was in prison, um, which didn't end well for him, by the way, uh, heard about the deeds of Christ. He sent words by his disciples and said, and they said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Right. Now, this is the same John that told Jesus that he was not fit to baptize him. He wasn't even fit to tie his sandal, that Jesus should be the one baptizing John. So what has happened between that moment and John in prison telling his disciples, "Go, is this the right dude? Like, what's going on? I'm not so sure about him anymore. I mean, there's, there's a big shift here from, holy cow, you're the son of God. I shouldn't even be here right now to, 
now convince me that you are the right guy. That, that's a big shift. Yeah. Um, I was even kind of going back to um, when Mary goes to see Elizabeth. Oh, um, yeah. All the way back then. I totally forgot about so that. So Luke 1. Um, and when uh, Luke 1 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And it goes on and on. The baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she. So um, Elizabeth was pregnant with uh, John the Baptist. (laughs) And John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. And I'm not sure, were Mary and Elizabeth related, I guess? Were they cousins or something like that? I don't... Somehow. I've never... I've never, never did. So, or, so, so, yeah. Or Zacchaeus and... Zacchaeus and... Is that was his, what was his name? I think it was something like Zacchaeus. I don't know. Something like that. He couldn't talk for a while. Maybe him and Joseph were brothers, but somehow they were related. Yeah. And so... Um, uh, so, yeah. So, going back from the earliest days of, of being pregnant with these two children... Uh, Jesus and and John, where John leaped in the womb uh, at the presence of his cousin Jesus, who's in Mary's womb, and then, like you said, at his baptism, he says, "I'm not worthy to untie your sandals." And now we've got him going. Uh, okay, so are you the one who's coming, or shall we look for another? Um, I, you know, God's involved. So you would think, I guess my, um, I'm kind of like, you know, there's just, there's so many times in the Bible, uh, where God is giving a message and we've got these types of people, uh, where it seems like he kind of communicates to them directly and they don't have the doubt. They don't, they, they have the faith. Um, uh, I don't know, purely speculation. Um, when I was reading this, I just was wondering if there was not so much a, are you the one? Uh, or, okay, is this my cue? Like, are we good to go now? Kind of a thing. Like, okay, we're, we're doing this, right? You know, we've been both kind of leading up to this point. So is this it? Are we, you know, uh, are we on? Um, I hadn't thought about that, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even really willing to defend that very strongly, <laughs> uh, because he does. Um, he heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, and he sent word by his disciples. So he knows who Jesus is, and says, "Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another?" Thus, and, Judaism was born, Dave. Yeah. So. Well, here's I, here's kind of what I took from okay. it, um, is that even the people right. that know Jesus closely still had doubts. Now, I don't think this means that Jesus was unconvincing, because I'm sorry, if you see a dude walk on water or raise a man from the dead or turn water into wine... Chances are you're going to pay attention a little closer to what he's doing. <laughs> um, but to your point, to the one who 
who leapt in the womb when Jesus was there to the one who reacted so strongly to Jesus wanting to be baptized, um, for him to have those doubts um, about Jesus tells me a few things. One, it's not, it's not um, unusual or um, a sign of, um, or a lack of faith to doubt. No. I think, I think a few things. John was in prison for what he believed in. And I think he was looking for assurance that he had done the right thing, which I think is normal. Um, and I don't think is a bad thing, but I think that in our weakness as humans, um, that, that Satan will prey on those weaknesses and really ask the question. And that's what Satan does is he asks questions, right? When he's in the garden. Mm-hmm. Oh, did, did God really say that? Is that what he really said? He doesn't want you to know this because then you'll be like him. Like it, it, it's always that question of, did he say that? Or are you sure? And, and so just even those little doubts can maybe lead us down places that we wouldn't want to be. And so when I see that, that John is, is doubting or even positively just looking for affirmation, mm-hmm. um, it helps me as somebody who doubts or wants affirmation about these sorts of things that somebody who um, was so close to Jesus, much like Thomas, you know, still had moments where doubt crept in. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, you know, John the Baptist was killed for what he believed. Right. Um, they, you know, lopped his head off and served it on a platter at a party, which, I mean, I don't know about what party you go to, Dave, but if that <laughs> happened at a party I went to, um, I probably would never go back. Yeah. So I guess, um, I think his doubts come from real places. Yeah. Of just making sure that he's giving his life up for the right thing. And I don't think there's shame in that. Um, but I think that it is um something worthwhile to consider as Christians now is where do our doubts come from and why am I why am I doubting that Jesus is who he says he is? Yeah. Is it because Satan's trying to get to me? Is it because I've got my own issues? Like wh- where is that doubt coming from? And I think that is the the more pertinent question for us today is if we are doubting God or doubting Christ or doubting the truth of the Bible, where are those doubts coming from? And what do we need to do to uh, address those doubts? Cause I think if doubts, doubts left unaddressed only grow stronger and harder to deal with. Mm-hmm. They're one of those things you just got to deal with upfront otherwise they get too big and then you don't want to deal with them (laughs) yeah and i mean i guess you know for me lately my doubts have just been like why am i dealing with the same sins over and over again like i I literally have these moments creatures of of habit dave i know but i'm like i'm 44 almost 45 years old and i'm like why have i not been able to deal with this that is not what i want to hear (laughs) uh why am i not any different and you know, again, just even the pick up your cross and and die um, to yourself, and um, just so much of that. Uh, spending some time in Colossians as well, of just um, 
realizing how much I have an earthly perspective, how much I do things for the approval, uh, looking for the approval of other people, and not really living living with an eternal perspective. And um, you know, and so then I, I'll even go to this extreme of, okay, well, I'm not doing what the Bible says to do. You know, I need to I need to sell everything I own, and I need to be. It doesn't say that either. Though. I know, I know. But that's what I start getting oh, to. Oh, you do like a whole pendulum reaction, and yeah, and then but then people like Dallas Willard or even Scripture says no. You're exactly where I want you to be, you know. And the the one of the things that Dallas Willard was saying is is Jesus could live your life. He could be doing your job, living in your house with your family, and he would still be divine. He would still be God. And there's nothing about our, our circumstances or our situation uh, that separates us uh, from God. He really can be present uh, right where we are. And um, I, I, I guess all I'm saying is, is I've been reminded of that again because th- that was a doubt that I was having. And, um, uh, and, much like you articulated, um, Satan feeds us lies, lies that are close to what the gospel says, lies of what we think this is what God, and it's like God's going, no, I never said that. No, that was never what I asked of you. Um, Really what I want you to do is I want you to love me with all of your heart. Figure out how to do that. Figure out how to love me. Quit worrying about sin management. Quit worrying about, you know. Yeah. So, and I, I... I don't have it figured out, but um, he does. He does point to me that just the little things that, and this is I, you know. Um, so what does that mean for us today? Um, as a Christian, start looking for places where God is working in your life, uh, thanking Him for it, acknowledging it, and recognizing it. And that was kind of the way the rest of my day went of just going, okay, God, that is obviously Your hand. Your fingerprints are on that. I see you moving in my life. And That's such a cop way to put it. Your fingerprints are on that. <laughs> I got your DNA. <laughs> so. Oh, man. But. Yeah. Looking for the hard evidence, I guess. So. Okay. All right. All right. So moving on. Um, I love the next two verses. Yeah. I'll let you take this. I think they're <laughs> so good. So starting in verse four, he says, and Jesus answered them. Go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. Oh, and the poor have good news preached to them too. Now, he's probably a little less snarky than I just was or (laughs) uh, pointed, but come on. Like, um, we're kind of not sure. Could you just maybe reassure us? And then just, I mean, I, I... I wrote down mic drop and that's like totally cliche (laughs) and like the thing now. Um, but I'm kind of over it. So there's gotta be something else besides a mic drop, but that's what we're going to do. Like he just like, look, open your eyes and listen with your ears and see what I've been doing. And he just leaves it at that. It's not a, well, here's a, here's a, a three part essay explaining to John why theologically I am. no, this is what is happening that people are talking about that is attracting crowds that is causing people to line up and wait for people to be healed. That is causing people to dig through a stranger's roof and lower their friend down 
just to cut in front of everybody else so that they can be healed. And this is why the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin are starting to work together to kill me. Yeah, enemies working together. Exactly. So I just, I think it is, it is kind of one of those moments in Jesus' ministry where he just says, listen up, this is happening. Mm -hmm. And then the response at least in these six verses is not um recorded as to what they the disciples john's disciples said or did but i can just think they just went oh all right yep yep we're good well and i just i I, i'm still just you know uh the, the 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 image of you know john the baptist uh doing what he's doing and now he's in prison and so uh, he's really the first one out of the bunch to, to end up that way. Yeah. You know, he wasn't like the fourth or fifth guy down the road that's like, okay, this is what we signed up for. I get this is part of the deal. He's there. And then jumping even to where we're going to talk a little bit more in Matthew 11 later on. But there's this element of John came, he didn't drink, he didn't eat, you know, he, he wore the camel hair jacket and <laughs> that sounds terrible <laughs> ate locusts and honey and all that kind of stuff and they're like he has a demon i think that's verse 18 and then in 19 well here comes jesus and he eats and he drinks and he hangs out with sinners and he's a glutton and and john's like going okay I, i'm so confused it's like <laughs> i do it this way and it's not right now jesus is doing it this way and it's not right and um uh as an author that we haven't mentioned before, um, but and J.K. Rowling, no, <laughs> Max Lucado, and oh, his okay. is even, he, uh, but uh, gosh, I'm not even going to be able to do this justice because I, I don't remember where I read it was. But as we're talking, one of the images thoughts that comes to my mind is 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 Jesus is him talking about Jesus's worst day, and one of those is kind of culminates with learning that John the Baptist has been beheaded, and um. As we're talking, I'm just getting this sense of, you know, John the Baptist knew what his purpose was, lived it out faithfully. And I I get a sense that maybe he is kind of at this point of just like, just confirm this for me. Just please tell me that this has all been worth it. This is what we were supposed to be doing. And as you put so very well, I think Jesus gives him that sort of, here you go. If this isn't it, then... Yeah. Uh, so, and I, and I, like you said, there is no response well, there. And, There's no. And sometimes we need that sort of blunt mm-hmm. explanation of things. Um, you know, I, I, I can't think of right now off the top of my head, a specific situation, but I mean, as, as a, a young man or even a, a teenager or a kid going to my parents and kind of being unsure or freaked out, it just, just looking for assurance that things are okay. You know, um, you know, whether it was when I was younger and there was a huge thunderstorm and I thought we were all going to blow away, just going to my dad, it's going to be okay. Or later on in life, you know, um, about maybe a personal matter or a relationship going to someone that you care about and explaining the situation, explaining your doubts and then having them say, here's, here's reality. Here's a reality check. This is what's going on. And here's how it's, there's just, there's something, um, that we, I think we desire in those moments of doubt and, um, fear that going to somebody that we trust mm-hmm. 
notice that he went, he sent his disciples to Jesus, not to the Pharisees, not to the scribes. Not, they, he sent his disciples to the person he trusted would have the most accurate answer. And so, I mean, that in and of itself shows that he wasn't totally off the reservation, but he still had doubts, but he still knew where to go mm-hmm. to get the answer that he needed. He went to the, the, hor- the horse's mouth, the source of truth, right? And so I think one of the things that we can learn is that when we do have our doubts, when life just sucks and we don't know why, that we call upon Jesus for the answer because we know that his answer is going to be true. And it reminds me of that verse from Hebrews 4 that we talked about an episode or two ago. That that we have a great high priest who has has been there and done that, yet has not sinned. So it continues, <laughs> let us draw near to the throne of uh grace or mercy, I can't remember, in our time of need. Like, come, take your doubts, take your burdens, take your fears to the one place that's gonna give you truth back. And that's what Jesus does here. The blind, are, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lepers are cleansed, the lame walk. What, what, what else do you need? Oh, yeah. Thank you for that reminder. <laughs> like, and that's it, yeah. you know? He didn't, he didn't um, I mean, there's no long, you know, pep talk or speech or it was just a, a blatant reminder of what is happening and what is true. And, and that's one of the things I like about Jesus. He doesn't sugarcoat stuff. Yeah. This is, this is reality. Deal with it or don't your choice, but this is what's going on. And I just, I don't know. I, I just really like that response. I mean, because too often in my experience, people treat you with kid gloves and I, 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 for one, right now, can't think of a single situation in which Jesus treated anybody with kid gloves. No. His calling card is kind of like bluntness. Yeah. This is what's happening. And I just, I, I appreciate that. Um, as somebody whose BS meter is like very, very, very sensitive, um, I look at Jesus and I see no BS. And that, is one of the many reasons that I like him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, I'm talking too much. So no. you're good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's talk about the last verse. And I think we'll have just a minute or two to wrap up after that. The last verse says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Teach me, Dave. <laughs> oh boy. Because isn't I'm I'm thinking of of certain passages that I, I cannot remember the reference to, um, but Jesus calls himself the cornerstone, which is meant to trip up and offend, um, and he just said he came to separate mother from daughter and father mm-hmm. from son, and and to bring a sword and not peace. Yet he says, "Blessed is the one who is not offended by me." This seems to be um, opposite. Of those things is okay. So opposite of the, I'm sorry. Like if I come to bring 
a sword and not peace. Mm-hmm. I feel like not being offended by that would be the odd response, <laughs> you know? Got you. Like, and, and, and families will be separated. And if you love mother and father more than you love me, but then he's like, Oh, but don't be offended that I'm just going to totally turn your world upside down. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just trying to figure out what blessed is the one who's not offended by me means. Cause he just kind of throws that on the end there of, you know, the blind or, uh, can see the lame can walk, the lepers are cleansed, and also blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Yeah, um, I I don't know that I have an answer. Uh, I am I'm trying to. Uh, what's going through my head is, uh, what does it mean to be offended? In Jesus' day, that's a good question. Um, I'm I unfairly am kind of sitting here thinking that um, we get offended very easily in our our day and age. Um, uh, so um, you know, um, I'm I'm also having a um, you know, is it good when I admit to some of the movies that I, uh, <laughs> I watch? Uh, I'm thinking of um, Talladega Nights, where Ricky Bobby says, with all due respect, <laughs> and he's kind of called on the carpet of, you know, uh, just by saying... I said with, all due respect. <laughs> just by saying all due respect doesn't give you the right to say whatever yeah, you want to say. Yeah. And he's uh, like, oh, yeah, I do. It's, uh, it's in the Gen- Geneva Convention. And it's like... <laughs> So, so I have this, uh, this image in my head too of, um, you know, sometimes there's like this, um, I, people kind of hide behind this false nobility of, well, yes, I may have offended you, but at least I, you know, at least I, I, I was honest with you. At least I told you the truth. You know, there's kind of like something about, well, you can be rude and, uh, say whatever you want. And so, um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is I feel like there's more going on here um, than just words being spoken. There's this like deep sort of um, uh, core um, sort of um, being, um, you know, having just a response to who Jesus is and what he's doing and not just so much something that he said. And um, he's also telling this, again, I'm having this moment of he's telling this to John the Baptist who is in jail. Like, uh, you know, there's an element of, well, what more can I do? I'm in jail because of you. So obviously I'm not somebody that um, would be offended by you. Um, So... I guess ultimately where I'm, I'm arriving at is I think in a very simple, well, maybe not so simple, but if we break it down, I think maybe what he's telling John is, is you are blessed because of, of who you are. Um, again, I'm going back to the, I didn't eat or drink. And people said this about me. And now here you are hanging out with sinners and eating and drinking. 
Um, I proclaimed who you were. Now I'm in jail. Um, I'm, you know, I've done all these things and now I'm still having doubt. And Jesus is sort of bringing it all together for him in just acknowledging that you are blessed because you weren't offended for me. You, you got the essence, the core of who I was and stayed true to that, even through the doubt, even through going through jail, even being, you know, people saying that you have demons because of what you did. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense or if that's valid or not, but um, that's kind of where I was at with that. <laughs> I don't know what your thoughts are. Um, my thoughts are scattered, Dave. That's what my thoughts are. All right. Well, and that's I, honestly, that this might even be one of those ones that uh, over the course of the next week, I may spend a little bit more time on that because, uh, um, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So, yeah, we might we might come back to that one. We'll, All right, we'll leave it up to you know fate. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, well. I think that brings us to the end. Yes. Of yet another episode of the Masterclass. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really do appreciate we it. We really do. <laughs> um, if you have comments for follow-up, you can get us on Twitter at MasterclassFM. You can get Dave at 10.8HBO or me at Cam Brennan. Links to all that's in the show notes too. Um, specifically, follow up for this episode. Uh, also, resources that you find useful, websites, books, magazines, journals, podcasts, um, curriculums, um, whatever. We, we do want to know. And, you know, we shared some at the beginning because yes. it was stuff that I wasn't really familiar with. And I, BioLogos is one that I am going to, I will spend time at work looking at that when I should be doing work. There we go. <laughs> Let's play a new game called Distract Dave at work. You're supposed to be protecting the people, Dave. Oh, I sit behind a desk. I'm oh, not protecting right. anybody. <laughs> um, and then thirdly, if you have any random questions for us about the Bible, about religion about why Dave is incessant on being a White Sox fan, you know, things that don't make sense. Just let us know. <laughs> uh, seriously, we, we would uh, welcome those questions. You can find the show notes that will have links to everything we talked about, including the Geneva convention at masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash 39, because this is the 39th episode and we're, yeah. re- we're really clever that way. And we're coming close to been doing this for a year. I know we've got what it's December 1st. We've been doing this for 11 months to the day. Wow. Cause our first episode is January 1st, 2015. Yeah. So we got like three more weeks and it'll be a year, four more weeks. We should get some cake or something <laughs> or at least some of those. <laughs> what are those? Uh, I don't called? even know what those are called. Party favors, party whistles, yeah, party. Whatever. They're super obnoxious. Yep. All right. Uh, any parting thoughts, Dave? Uh, no. Have a good week. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.